0: Today on Sagittarian Matters, Trans Santa, tops and bottoms of 2020, highlights, lowlights, and more, with my guests, me, and Trans Santa's Kyle Lasky. Stay tuned. Sagittarian matters. Sagittarian. Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studio in Portland, Oregon. Listeners, I am surrounded by dogs. Producer Panya is working the levels with her headphones on. Uh, Pocket is part of a Border Collies to Podcast program, and he's interning with producer Panya. And then French of the show Liriel is curled in a little ball with her head hidden in her tail. We are limping across the finish line at the end of a very intense year. And I want to say I'm proud of us. I'm just going to say it. Producer Chris and I have published podcast episodes eh, more or less every week this year and we in this year I have crossed the finish line, not the finish line, crossed the 200 episode milestone and are continuing across, continuing into the sunset, making more episodes for you. So I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank every friend to the show, every guest we had this year, every supporter of Sagittarian Matters, everybody who donated. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This week, we only have one guest who's here to tell you about an initiative that I would really love for you to support before the year's end, and that's called Santa. It's my friend Kyle. He's part of the team that created Transanta, and he's going to tell you what it is, who it's for, and how you can help. After that, the only guest this week is me, your host. Nicole J. Georges, queer feminist vegan cartoonist from Portland, Oregon, sometimes living in Los Angeles, California. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Sex in the City. I have some tops and bottoms from Sex in the City, some highlights, lowlights, and I also have my highlights, lowlights, tops and bottoms from 2020. Some of those things are food, some of those things are life experiences, some of those are my favorite lines, Carrie's worst boyfriends, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you so much for being with us this year. We look forward to more podcasts next year, and I hope you have a really wonderful and safe, safe, safe holiday. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Trans Santa is a new holiday gifting initiative and campaign supporting trans and non-binary youth. It was started by India Moore, Chase Strangio, and Kyle Lasky. I spoke with Kyle remotely from his home in upstate New York, where he works as a designer and a photographer when he's not busy volunteering as the architect of TransSanta. Now please enjoy my talk with Chief TransSanta Officer Kyle Lasky. You're here to talk about something very specific that I asked you about to come on the show to talk about, something that you're involved in called TransSanta. Can you tell me what that is? Yeah, or who that is?
1: Well, yeah. Um, well, anybody who. Well, I'll tell you what it is first, and then I'll tell you who it who it is after. So, what it is? I guess is, I was
0: just wondering if it was a giant Santa.
1: Okay. No, I, well, the idea is actually that we are all trans Santas when we when we participate in this campaign. So that's also well, the campaign is um, we. It is a big social media campaign. Um basically we put out a call to trans youth under 24 who um are in foster care, who are houseless, or who otherwise don't have access and support to have a really nice um Christmas and get some gifts and make themselves that make them feel loved and appreciated and cared for. So um we asked them to submit a wish list and uh a photo ideally a photo of a handwritten letter to trans santa talking about what they are asking for and just a little bit about their circumstances and we um, are posting those on instagram each youth gets uh their own post they have their letter posted and then their name their first name and their age and a brief description uh as the caption and then there's a link in the bio that's basically like. Um, a replicated version of the feed, but each person's image now links directly to their registry. So people are able to go in and say, like, oh, I, I feel connected to this youth, for whatever reason, I want to help out this youth. They're asking for a mattress, they're asking for um, these a Lego set, they're asking for, like, a My Little Pony T-shirt, whatever it is, and they can go purchase it directly for that youth and it will be shipped out to them. So it's different than like donating money to an organization because you actually, it's like a one-to-one interaction where you as an individual are helping out another individual in need. And we thought that like, it would be so incredible for the for the people receiving the gifts that, and it is, um, but it's actually been a lot of the feedback that we've gotten is that it's so incredible to be a, to be a Trans Santa, to be able to, Um, have that experience of giving directly to somebody that's asking for a little bit of help. Uh, It's pretty, it's pretty incredible to see.
0: It could be really anything. It could be like some kind of cosplay thing. It could be something very functional for their apartments or their house. Um, What kind of responses have you gotten from the youth, from the trans youth, people that have already received gifts or received support from people that they didn't even know existed?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's like heartbreaking in the best way. I mean, people are making, some people are making videos of saying thank you and some people are just sending in notes, Um, but people are saying things like, I've never felt this loved and cared for in my life. People are saying like this, just that like their family doesn't pay attention to them or they don't have family or they've been disowned and all of a sudden there are strangers sending them gifts and it's like the whole world cares about them and they have haven't experienced that kind of support in a very long time.
0: What inspired this project?
1: Um, So my friend India Moore um, and my friend Chase were talking to each other about wanting to give back to Trans youth in need. Specifically, India had their own experience being a trans youth in the foster care, foster care system and being overlooked in this sort of like really gross system where certain kids just um, are skipped because they are queer or trans or bad air quotes for in whatever whatever reason the the system says. Um, so they they wanted to create basically like a toy drive for trans youth. And um, me as somebody who builds websites and works with the internet, um, they asked me to be involved and I, I set up the structure for the way that it works.
0: Cool. Yeah. Do you have any plans to keep this going in any way after the holiday season?
1: Yeah, we just have to figure out how to survive the rest of this campaign to have the room in our brains to think about that. But we absolutely intend on doing it again next year um, in a much more organized way. And um, we are bouncing around ideas right now for what we can do for the throughout the year to, to keep the love and support flowing towards people who need it.
0: best ways that people, oh my God, every dog is on the bed now. What are the best ways that people can help with this, involved with this, be a Santa? I mean, we've kind of already said, but Mm -hmm. how can people best be of service in this project, to this project?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, we've gotten a lot of attention. So it's really just a matter of maintaining the uh, excitement around buying the gifts. And I haven't seen any dip in that yet. It's really incredible. I mean. Within ten to fifteen minutes of a wish list being posted, most of the items are purchased. It's like it's hard to buy a gift for a trans kid right now. It's really an amazing problem to have. But I I want that to continue. You know, we still have we've posted I think around seven hundred wish lists so far, and we set we have at least that many more. I would say probably twice that many to go before they'll all be posted. Um, So just maintaining that momentum and that excitement. And if you haven't bought a gift yet because you haven't been able to just keep trying, Um, try in the wee hours of the morning or I don't know, but um, yeah, just buy the gifts. That's the best, that's the best way. Great,
0: and they can find it on Instagram at TransSanta. Yeah. Kyle, how did you become friends with India?
1: It's a great question. Um, we met through a mutual love of Fortnite and we have a trans Fortnite squad.
0: Oh, wonderful. I was wondering, that was what I had, that's how I had assumed you had met, but I didn't want to make any assumptions. Yeah.
1: No, thanks for, thanks for just making sure.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Zoe Wirth, Laura Perry, Emily Helms, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Herod, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, in particular, producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. Or this just in, he's got a Venmo. It's hell books on Venmo. That's H-E, double hockey sticks, books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast.
1: Producer Ponyo looks forward to it
0: too. Don't be scared, that's just Ponyo's speaking voice. Hello, listeners. I'm here to talk about Sex in the City. Question before I begin Should I have a separate Sex in the City recap podcast? Should this be something that's a segment on Sagittarian Matters every week? Should this be a bi weekly thing? Should this be a separate podcast within the Sagittarian Matters family? Let me know. I'm a huge fan of the show. I love talking about the show. I would love to have guests on to discuss different episodes. And that's all I have to say. I have watched the the show many times. I've watched the movies, both of the movies. I have controversial opinions about both. All right, let's get started with my tops and bottoms from Sex and the City. But before we get to that, just to recap something I mentioned earlier this year about the show, Carrie's worst to best boyfriends. Jack Berger was the worst boyfriend then Aiden, then the jazz guy who Carrie let play her like a stand-up bass while she giggled. Um, I still don't think Petrovsky was that bad. He actually is above the alcoholic who took off all of his clothes and screamed that he was in love with Carrie. Um, And I guess Petrovsky maybe was, was he her best boyfriend? Who was her best boyfriend? I don't know if Carrie ever had a best boyfriend Of course, Big is just his own separate podcast episode, but Harry and Steve were obviously the best boyfriends of this series, in my opinion, even though none of them had the misfortune of dating Carrie Bradshaw herself. Um, I think Harry is a dork. That's neither here nor there. I'm basically basing this on how they treated the girls on the show. Smith Jared was a good boyfriend. Was his head full of rocks or was he just a man of few words? I do not know, but uh, his kind of spacey demeanor... Is what made me forget about him when i was writing this list okay our tops and bottoms my tops and bottoms from sex in the city in no particular order just things off the top of my head tops number 10 carrie pitching a children's book about magic cigarettes two bigs ex-wife in a ploy to meet her um number nine charlotte york trying to get in with power lesbians and then getting busted for being a straight woman and kicked out of their club i think if this happened in real life if Charlotte York was trying to go on a vacation with Power Dykes and they weren't sure about her, I think somebody would have tried to flip her. Don't you think someone would have recruited? Lesbian Avengers Recruit. I I don't think they would have let her go or kicked her out that quickly. Number eight, I liked Samantha's lesbian lover with the very long ponytail. Um, I liked when they had sex and Samantha was moaning and groaning gratuitously and her girlfriend was like Samantha we're not in a pornography because Samantha was so used to playing it up for whatever guy she was around and sometimes for a VHS or a VCR um number and also when Samantha kind of wiggled her fingers at her friends when they were asking her about lesbian sex I liked that I didn't mind it there's other things Samantha did that I did mind we'll get to that number seven Miranda Hobbs throwing out her neck and being naked on the floor of her apartment bathroom after she threw it out and Aiden showed up to carry her so Miranda takes a shower throws out her back or her neck is laying on the floor in a fetal position she calls up Carrie Carrie says I'm coming to help you and then decides she's going to send her boyfriend instead so her boyfriend shows up just meaty-fisted Aiden and picks up naked Miranda who's going "Ah, ah." I liked that episode I also liked Miranda fishing brownies or cake out of the garbage can to eat um number five the guy who moved to L.A. to become a TV writer. And then when Miranda was at lunch with him, she saw that he just chewed up his food and spit it in a napkin instead of eating it. And she was like, what are you doing? And he was like, what, you think I look this good from eating my food and swallowing? Ha, this is L.A. I liked, I liked that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like the strategy, but I, was this from real life or was this just what New Yorkers think about L.A.? I don't know. Um, number four, when Smith Jared is having great success as the absolute hunk and he's starting to doubt it and Samantha says, look, first the gays, then the girls, which well, say it? first the girls, then the gays, then everyone else. Is that what it is? Or is it the gays and the girls? I can't remember. I think it's the girls, then the gays, then everyone else. Please correct me in the comments on Instagram. Number three, when Miranda thought that her neighbor Blair Underwood was obsessed with her after she broke up with him for Steve and she she sent Steve over there to comfort him because she was like he's very upset please be kind and Steve showed up at um Dr. Blair Underwood's apartment and saw that he very much had moved on with a lot of different ladies inside of his apartment. I just I liked that whole storyline of Miranda being like I'm sure he's so obsessed with me please be kind and he wasn't obsessed with her at all. Number 2 I don't even know if I have a number two. The moment when Charlotte beat Biggs with her bouquet at Carrie's wedding. Um, There was that moment outside of the wedding in the movie where Charlotte waddled over to him in her very tight dress. And I think that she either, maybe she either just yelled at him or she beat him with her bouquet. I can't remember, but she was so mad and it made me so happy. And it was very much deserved. Okay, my number one is when Carrie Bradshaw... After having an affair with Big and breaking up Natasha's marriage, stalked her, found out where she was having lunch, and then sat down across from Natasha to non-consensually make amends. The number one part of that is not that move. It's this move. Natasha saying, basically, you've ruined my marriage and now you've ruined my lunch. Um, I'm going to tell you the whole quote right now, and we should all only hope that we get the opportunity to say this. Not that we get cheated on in any way, but just that we get to say this to somebody. She said, yes, I'm sorry about it all. I'm sorry he moved to Paris and fell in love with me. I'm sorry we ever got married. I'm sorry he cheated on me with you. And I'm sorry that I pretended to ignore it for as long as I did. I'm sorry I found you in my apartment, fought on the stairs, and broke my tooth. I'm very sorry that after much painful dental surgery, this tooth is still a different color than this tooth. Finally, I'm very sorry that you felt the need to come down here. Now, not only have you ruined my marriage, you've ruined my lunch. I just think that's like a powerful statement and it really gave Carrie the what for. Um, also, like, remember when she had to go to the emergency room because she chipped a tooth? That was, that's something that's never happened to me. Okay, the bottoms of sex in this city, I only have six of them. Number six... When Carrie went to Big's church, even though he told her not to, remember when he took his mom to church every week and Carrie's like, can I come? And he said, no. And then she came and she made a big scene. She's really bad with boundaries. Number five, Carrie was a bad girlfriend. I'm sorry, this is vague, but if you know, you know, she's just a bad girlfriend. She just was. And she probably, she was then a kind of a bad wife. And I mean, bad, like she kissed Aiden in the middle East in the second movie. Oh, Number four, Carrie's jokes. Every one of Carrie's jokes are terrible. She's a horrible sense of humor, second only to Taylor Swift as far as bad senses of humor go. Why do I know Taylor Swift has a bad sense of humor? Because she mentions her sense of humor all the time, which makes me know oh, she has a bad sense of humor. Carrie Bradshaw, um, there is a moment, I think, when she's trying to have sex with Burger and she gets drunk and she calls him Mr. She's like, hey, Mr. When she gets drunk and she does things like call him Mr. or kind of try to masculinize them it just it really falls flat for me number three there's a time i think it's in the first movie where all the girls are talking about sex in front of lily york and they talk about sex as in coloring using that as a euphemism and carrie says oh when big colors he rarely stays inside the lines just her thing like big likes to color outside of the lines way outside the lines it's so gross that is so gross. I don't know why. I just think her talking about sex is... I just I feel repulsed by that statement of talking about someone's sex life. I looked this up, this quote up on Yahoo. A question from Yahoo Answers came up that was like, what, what did Carrie mean? What did she mean when she said big like the colors outside the lines? And someone was like, it means that he's sexually good in bed. Thank you for that, Yahoo Answers. Number two of the worst things on Sex and the City anything to do with race. This could be number one. Uh, literally anything to do with race. When they try, it hurts. And when they don't try, it also hurts. It's just a real failing of the series as a whole. And number one, why couldn't Big go to his own wedding? I mean, really? I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like, If your anxiety is that huge, that it can stop you from doing such a major thing in your own life, don't you think that you would have had some strategies before this moment happened, aside from, let me call Carrie and just hear her voice? Like, he doesn't have a friend he can call who's like, hey man, it's going to be okay. Just get out of the car, take the next step. You know, walk into the venue. Carrie's going to be there. Like nobody was there to help him. Not even the driver who obviously knows him and has been driving him for a long time. The driver's just like, yeah, sure, I'll just leave. Uh, You're wearing a tuxedo when you're at your own wedding, which is literally teeming with people here to see you get married. Yeah, we'll just go. We'll just leave. That seems like a good idea. And that seems like something you're not going to regret. I just I'm never going to I'm never going to understand that. If I could talk to somebody who wrote that movie, I would love to know what their motivations were like, what? What What do you think, listeners? Anyway, okay. Um, I do want to say another bottom is when Aiden Shaw basically was like, I want to stay home with a bucket of chicken. Rub my belly, baby. You know, it's one thing to be comfortable at home, and it's another thing for Carrie Bradshaw to be linked up with Carrie Bradshaw wearing, like, a tight mini dress, ready to go clubbing, and her boyfriend having, like, a bucket of KFC on his stomach, wanting her to just rub it. I, you know, it could be because I'm a vegetarian. Maybe if he was eating tofu nuggets, I would feel differently. But just they were very mismatched. It was very like Green Acres, you know, like country mouse, city mouse together. And there's nothing against liking a house in the country. You know, I love a house in the country, but they were very, very, very mismatched. And I don't understand why either of them ever tried. That's my Sex in the City talk for this episode. Um, Burger will always be the worst boyfriend. Petrovsky, I'll always think it was mildly better than a lot of her other boyfriends. And I hope to talk to you more about sex in the city in 2021. Thanks for listening.
1: Hi, Sagittarian Matters. This is Beth Pickens, frequent contributor and friend of the pod. I have my own podcast out now, wherever you find podcasts, called Mind Your Practice. And season one is out now. It's a series of short episodes, five to 10 minutes, that's meant for artists and creatives who are struggling in all the ways that artists do, particularly in year 2020. So go find it today. I also have the Mind Your Practice Homework Club, And Homework Club is just what it sounds like. You get monthly homework, a monthly webinar with me, access to a private Instagram for club members, and bonus audio content. It's $12 a month. Price goes up January 2021, so join now. And you can find out more or sign up at mindyourpractice.com.
0: Today on Sagittarian Matters doing helium and forgetting if there are side effects stay tuned hello listeners these are my tops and bottoms of 2020 tops uh in no particular order just a little bit of an order number 10 TikTok coffee the return of ticino and the discovery of the tahini sweet potato in episode 208 Friend to the show Morgan and I tried the New York Times tahini sweet potato as prepared for us by sous chef Kaya Wilson, friend to the show, and it was delicious. I've eaten it at least seven times since we tried it for the show. TikTok coffee I've had a couple times. Ticino, yeah, I've hit that. Number nine, milk run grocery delivery in Portland and county line harvest CSA in Los Angeles. Number eight, orangutan jungle school. I'm never going to stop telling you about this show. It's soothing. It's not boring. It's calming yet interesting. It's adorable. It's produced like a reality show like Meerkat Manor, but it is 100 million times cuter in my opinion because it's orphan baby orangutans learning the skills that they need to survive out in the wild, including things like how to be scared of snakes. If you're wondering how cute this show is, just look up baby orangutans learn to be afraid of snakes and you can thank me later. Uh, The host, the the narrator's voice is very soothing. The orangutans are doing things like learning to open coconuts. Come on, give me a break. Number seven, Pony Sweat. Pony Sweat is a fiercely non-competitive dance aerobics practice hosted by Amelia Richeson. You can find it online for only $5, and I really appreciate it. Do I wish I was jumping around in person, dancing to Prince and Janet Jackson and the song Feeling Good from My Head to My Shoes? I do. Do I mind doing it at home? It's... It's better than what else I'm doing at home. Number six, Naomi Ekparrigan's Corona Chronicles on Instagram. Naomi Ekparrigan is a comedian in Los Angeles from New York. She co-hosts a podcast called Couples Counseling or Couples Therapy. Sorry. And since the beginning of the quarantine, she has been keeping an Instagram diary that she has saved up there. She's a woman after my own heart. As far as distancing goes, she and her husband or her boyfriend really, really get prepared with their homemade hazmat suits and their very detailed strategic lists when they go into Trader Joe's, and then they get in, they get out, they get five million dollars worth of food for the coming winter, and then they complain about every single customer they saw in there. This is the kind of thing I like. Um, number four, Samantha Irby's books. Oh, sorry, number five, Samantha Irby's books. Wow, no, thank you. We're never meeting in person and meaty. I listen to all these as audible, audible audiobooks or whatever service you would like. Um, I listen to them all as audiobooks. It's really fun listening to her. They're really funny. They're sometimes very deep in addition to being funny, and it makes me feel like she's my friend and I'm hanging out with her. Would I like Samantha Irby to come on the podcast? Yes, I would. Please light a candle for me for that in the coming year. Listeners. Number four, the Pickensian fundraiser. I want to tell you about this really quick. I think we talked about it in episode 198, but it may have been earlier. When the pandemic began, and it seemed like our favorite restaurants were in great peril, which they were, um, Beth Pickens came up with a fundraiser that then I copied. On Orangutan Jungle School, the orangutans learn... By copying. And I, listeners, am nothing more than a primate. And so I copied this. I posted about it, and then other listeners copied and did this in their areas. And I couldn't be more happy and proud. Here's the thing. So Beth was like, All right, there's a need amongst restaurants, and there's a need amongst unhoused Angelinos frontline workers, essential workers. So she called the restaurant and said, how much would it cost to feed this many people? She called the places. Would you be would you be open to receiving meals? And then she raised money. She took the money she made. She bought meals from the restaurants that were struggling. And then she had them delivered to unhoused Angelenos, frontline workers, and essential workers at a grocery store. I did the same thing. I worked with K-Town for All, uh, Street Watch LA, and it connected me to my community in a time where I felt disconnected and powerless. So I recommend the Pekensian fundraiser. Please check it out on Instagram um, or episode 198. Number three, watching Fantastic Fungi. Jibs recommended this in episode 197. It is a movie about fungus, the fungus among us. Uh, fungi are neither plant nor animal. There's something in between. They were here long before humans. They will be here long after humans. And the most interesting thing to me is that trees speak to each other with the help of mycelium and an underground network that extends across the whole world. My recommendation for you, watch this documentary. It is now widely available. And then take a walk if you're in the Pacific Northwest and just check out the mushrooms around you. Just check them out and say, hey, how's it going? I just watched a movie about you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, my number ones of twenty twenty. This is two things that are tied. Both of them or one of them I talked about on the podcast. Both of them I've talked about a little bit. Finding a baby squirrel, episode 191, and getting married to Capricorn friend to the show, Kaya Wilson. Uh that's from the most recent episode with Beth Pickens. So one thing led to the other. Finding a baby squirrel at the beginning of the pandemic changed my whole pandemic because instead of thinking about my misery and how intense everything was that was happening in the whole world to people I care about I actually just had to focus on one thing for a week which was keeping a tiny orphan baby squirrel alive by feeding it warm goat milk through a baby syringe without aspirating him and then finding him a new home that's all I had to do and it really it I highly recommend it if you get the chance from that Friend to the show, longtime friend of mine, Capricorn Kaya Wilson. Listen to that episode. One thing led to another. We reconnected after 16 years of friendship. And listeners, I married this person. Producer Panya was the ring bearer. We got, we eloped at her parents' farm with four people there, distance from each other, all standing outside wearing masks. Um, yeah. We also made a space movie with each other via Marco Polo. So those two things are my number ones of 2020. From there, I want to talk to you about something that's a little in between. Was it good, was it bad? You tell me. During our wedding, our very small elopement, we had a cake. We went to cut the cake, and the only soundtrack to the whole ceremony was her dad's radio that was plugged into a shed. Um, was not Spotify, it was not a portable speaker, it was a boombox tuned to the local radio station. As we're cutting the cake, the song "Mr. Jones" by the Counting Crows comes on. So literally, the knife is going into the cake, and you hear "Sha la 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 la, ho Was this a blessing or was this a curse? Was this like when people tell you "break a leg" when you're in the theater, or when um, Alanis Morissette says "like rain on your wedding day"? Isn't it ironic? Is that like the, something so bad that it that you know anything? Everything can only go up from there, or are we cursed that now we have? That song as our song for all time. You tell me. Uh, that happened. Um, other in betweeners. Ponyo going blind was a bummer. But then, friend to the show Kaya introducing Ponyo to the world of nose work and finding things with her nose was a highlight. The last in betweener was the show Lost. I started watching this earlier in the year and I really liked it, but. After season three, it really went downhill. I know this isn't a new concept, but it just seemed like it was full of punching. All it was after season three was tons of punching, totally like indecipherable plot lines. And why were so many people on the island just like chugged full of Botox? Where did they get that? They've been on the island for years and years. And there's people with just like the tightest nose job and fillers and Botox. And I'm like, you've been on an island for Maybe hundreds of years, it seems like. I don't know because of the time travel thing. But, like, where did you find this stuff? Like, it seems like they're doing Civil War-style surgeries, so I can't even understand why your forehead's so smooth. No offense to smooth foreheads. Much respect to them, but I don't understand how you do that on a time-traveling island with a smoke monster. Okay. My bottoms of 2020. Ponyo going blind. Yes. Yes. A doctor telling me for 15 minutes of her time over the phone it was $150. Psych! That is a doctor I'm not seeing anymore. Um, number seven, even beginning to think about everyone whose lives were decimated due to the gross negligence of the administration. I can't go into full detail here because that's a different podcast and. Ugh. Number six, the fires. Ugh. Number five, desperately missing life and things I used to do with my friends and humans like Pony Sweat or like interviewing guests in person and getting to sit really close to them so that we can use the same microphone. Number four, getting weird non-vegan groceries by accident during supermarket sweeps and grocery deliveries. This would be like uh, tater tots that were not vegan because they had completely confusing sour cream. Getting noodles from a restaurant and they're meat noodles that I have to find somebody who eats meat, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Number three, bleaching groceries and having no hand skin left. Remember that? Number two, going berserk on the streets of Silver Lake yelling at my neighbors. That's episode 195. Uh, for people that aren't familiar, I was walking down the street, many men not wearing masks boxed me in. There was nowhere for me to go, not even the bike lane, so I screamed at my neighbors, fuck all of you, and I ran down the street it with the cars in a car lane like a child, screaming at them as I ran away. Somebody tweeted about it. His tweet went viral. It got like 250,000 likes. Good for him. And that's it. I just got to freak out on my neighbors. Not so fun for me at the time, which is why it's in the lows of 2020. Number one, hugging a tree out of desperation and loneliness. After producer Ponyo and I were trapped in the Sagittarian Matters social distancing studios for several months at the beginning of quarantine. Uh, My neighbor, friend of the show, Craig, walked into his tiny front yard one day of his apartment and found me just latched on to a scraggly tree, trying to get the feeling of hugging something, someone besides producer Panyo. during those early months when we didn't know what was what. That was my low of 2020. I think that's it. Thank you for listening to the show. Doing the show, being connected to all of you, trying weird foods, complaining about stuff, hearing from people about how much you like the show or things that you volunteered for or answers to Beth Pickens' questions, etc., etc., has really been a highlight of the year. So I look forward to 2021 and thank you for listening. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Panyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Sagittarian Matters. Hi listeners, it's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo, in particular our comics and animal illustrations, go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges, and for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics for the price of one cold brew plus tip. You can become an honorary Sagittarian and for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyos friend club member at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges.